You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week, we're hearing from a special guest speaker. Shall we give him a massive welcome? Jamie, come up and speak. Thank you, Gare. It's lovely to be with you. Lovely to be with you. I was delighted when Gare told me that Vintage was having a series looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I was honoured when he asked if I would come and share some thoughts today. Because this subject, this theology, this doctrine is utterly crucial for each one of us to get right. Holy Spirit is active and moving. Genesis 1 bringing creation. Genesis 2, breathing life into Adam. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living being. The Hebrew word there for breath is ruach, also means spirit, the breath of life. God breathes physical life into us. He breathes spiritual life into us. You see, Jesus upon his resurrection, appears to the disciples and breathes over them the Holy Spirit. Yet tragically, in all honesty, the Holy Spirit is either avoided or scorned or rejected, neglected in so many of our churches, and that is a fatal mistake. Misunderstand the Spirit and you miss out on so much of what God has for you in this life. Conversely, have a good, solid pneumatology and you will not go far wrong. It's that fancy word. That's my only fancy word of the day. Of course, you recognize it, same root as pneumatic from where we, we talk about having air and gas under pressure. Relates to the spirit. Relating to the spirit. Pneumatology is the branch of Christian theology concerned about the Holy Spirit. Air. Spirit, we need both. I was reflecting on this this week as I was driving great distances with Gare, which really tested my Christian patience. (laughs) But I was thinking about driving and I was thinking about, let me see if this illustration works. Who here knows someone with an amazing car? Put your hand up. If you've got a friend, you know someone with an amazing car. You're probably sitting next to them right now. So picture in your mind that car right now. That car is very special was doubtless very expensive. Good for you. And because that car is very special and very expensive, it probably has very expensive tires on it. As you know, very expensive tires are filled with very special and expensive air. I don't know why you're laughing. Of course not. Tires, all tires are filled with the exact same air. Even that dumpster fire that you're driving at the moment, this same air in the tires. Here's my point, I do have one, I promise. All cars are different. Some are sleek and sporty and run on premium fuel and they're beautiful and they look perfect. Others, not so much, but they are the same. They're all in the same respect. They are, sorry, they are all the same in one respect and that's the air that goes into their tires. It's the same with our lives. Each one of us in this room today Other people's lives, they look sleek and sporty and they run on premium fuel, they're beautiful, they're perfect, all of that. Others, not so much when we look at ourselves. But the simple truth is it doesn't matter what the car of your life looks like on the outside, 
Every single one of us is exactly the same in that we need the same breath of God in our lives. Every single one of us needs that divine air, that same pneuma filling us up. Otherwise, we'd all just wobble and limp down the road of life. And you know what? I say all of this not out of exhaustive theoretical study. I say all of this out of very raw and personal experience. I felt it was important, given the subject especially, that that I'd be really honest with you today. I want to speak to you about how the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Scriptures as the Counselor. And that is because I have personally felt that pneuma, that, that, that ability to keep going, that filling from God, even very recently. Even though the car of my life right now is more bashed, more rusted, more dented than I've ever known in 53 years. Despite it all, I know from first-hand experience that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is very real. I know that the Holy Spirit is pure and good and true and essential for our lives. Not that it's, everything is fixed. Far from it. And so I know that I need help. And I'll get that from different sources. And so I personally have started psychotherapy and counselling again very recently. Because the painful truth is, I, I, and, and, and I shared this publicly for the first time in the last service, and I almost couldn't do it. Uh, the painful truth is, I stand here as a very recently divorced vicar. Uh, our marriage of 24 years has ended. And I didn't feel I could stand here today without sharing that. I don't stand here as some untouchable, all-powerful preacher man. I said to a couple of people recently that, that divorce, whilst more accepted in society, still comes with sadness and shame and a profound sense of failure. Add to that being part of a church, add to that being a leader in a church, you get the picture. So when Gare asked me to speak, I knew I had to be honest with you. Because life is hard for each and every one of us. Let's just be honest about that. And unsurprisingly, I found it is good to talk to a counsellor. And that got me thinking, why do people go to a therapist? And what do you look for in an effective counsellor? You consult a wise friend or seek out a professional psychologist for advice, comfort, encouragement, wisdom, guidance. And that's right and that's good. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the counsellor. And not just any counsellor, the Holy Spirit is the perfect counsellor. Knowing all of our thoughts and our feelings, all of our desires and experiences, all of our hopes and fears, the depths of our family histories, our well-hidden secrets. So in the time we have together today, let's look at some of the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit and what can happen in our lives when we open up to that perfect counsellor. There's so much to say. I've been very disciplined. I've limited myself to four points. And uh, the first is this. The perfect counsellor will comfort you. The perfect counsellor will comfort you. Mother Teresa said the greatest problem in this world is not starvation. 
its loneliness. There was an article in The Big Issue, the London magazine that supports the homeless. It said this, most people's image of loneliness in London is of a frail old lady stuck on the 24th floor of a tower somewhere. The reality can be a fashionably dressed guy trying desperately to make conversation with a girl standing next to him in a bar. Being surrounded by so many people only compounds the feeling of isolation. Does that sound familiar? I've felt alone, very alone at times over the last few months. And what I'm slowly realizing at 53, having become a Christian as a little boy, filled with the Holy Spirit as a teenager, worked in the church for over half my life, ordained as a priest nearly 20, 20 years ago. In other words, you think I'd have learned this by now. What I'm slowly realizing is no matter what is going on, no matter what life looks like, with the Holy Spirit, we are never alone. If you're a Christian here today, if you have opened your heart to Jesus and asked him to put his spirit within you, God has promised you, I will never leave you. And, and that one truth brings the most extraordinary comfort. I turn time and time again to Psalm 23. You know it well. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Circumstances are the same. They're pretty awful. But you're with me. Jesus promises in John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, when the counselor comes... Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the counselor, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And the word that we see there in the New Testament for counselor, the Greek word is parakletos. And apparently it's an unusual word, quite hard to translate. Literally means the one called alongside. Isn't that lovely? Apparently it comes from if a small ship was in trouble on the Mediterranean, a larger ship would come alongside and that larger ship was called the paraclete. It would come alongside and protect and defend the smaller ship. So how does that translate into our lives today? Maybe there are things going on in your life right now. You weren't even sure you were going to come to church this morning. Anxieties, fears, situations, you just need someone to come alongside you. You don't know where to turn for help. If that's you, the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you today. Draw alongside like that larger ship and remind you God is bigger. As the Holy Spirit draws alongside us, the problems, the issues, the anxieties, let's be honest, they're still there. But we have a different perspective because we feel God with us. We cry out, and we feel the presence of God calming us. I saw a vivid illustration of this a few years ago. I was at a conference in London, and I got the phone call to say that my daughter, my second daughter, who's now 15, but she was about four at the time, she's a tenacious little thing, and so when she got her thumb stuck in the hinge side of a door, rather than waiting for the door to be opened, she yanked practically pulled her thumb off. I got back home. Everyone had gone to the ER by the time I'd got there. It looked like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm not kidding you. There was blood everywhere. So then I got to the emergency room, and uh, there's little Thea. And what is she crying out? Over and over and over again. Daddy, 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 daddy. 
We all know that's not true. It was mummy, 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 mummy. That's all she was saying, mummy, mummy, mummy. And there was her mum with her arm around her saying, it's okay, it hurts. It hurts right now, but it's going to be okay. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. And of course, there's another reason for telling that story. It is Mother's Day. Thank you, all the mothers that are here. I could, I, it strikes me that everything I have to say about the Holy Spirit could be said about mothers. Um, I know that's true of my own mum, embodying for me the beauty of the feminine half of the divine. I'm so grateful to, let's just honour all the mums in this room and all the mums online and all our own mums. Yes. The beauty of that comfort, the beauty of the comfort of the divine is what each of us needs. The comfort, the reassurance that it's all going to be okay. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. The perfect counsellor will comfort you and wants to do that today. Crucially though, comfort is not all we get because scripture, in scripture and in my experience, We've got to go there. The perfect counsellor will challenge you. The perfect counsellor will also challenge you. The Holy Spirit brings comfort, but also challenge. And sometimes we won't like what we hear. Back in February, I went to the Swiss Alps with some friends. On paper, it was a holiday of a lifetime. Uh, but it didn't go well. My skiing was awful. My body was struggling. And my mental health, if I'm honest, felt shot. You're really getting the honesty here today, aren't you? Um, I suppose it had been growing for some time. And looking back, it was quite ironic that I hit rock bottom on a mountaintop. Um, <laughs> but I decided to write down what I was feeling. And again, I want to share that with you. I wrote this. Is this the dark night of the soul that comes upon a man and shakes him to the very core of his being? Do I battle against it? Do I go with it? If the former, do I take up the weapons and armour of old that appear very much to have failed me? If the latter, what is to prevent me from sliding into oblivion? And either way, how on earth do I do all of this whilst holding the very public office of a protector and propagator of the Christian faith? How can I stand there and all good conscience tell others to walk the solid ancient paths when it feels like those very same paths have crumbled to powder beneath my own feet? How can I sing the hymns and pray the prayers and read the scriptures when I feel nothing? No, not nothing. I sang hymns in the Verbier Chapel two days ago. They were the best part of the service. The words were deep and profound, ancient of days, and I felt connected to the tried and tested faith that has created them, had created them. They gave some element of succor, but the overwhelming feeling was one of tearfulness at feeling lost. That's it. I feel lost and I don't know how to get back or how to move forward. Every navigation system feels blown. The map is in shreds, and the compass needle is spinning out of control. Those days felt like what's known as the dark night of the soul. And into that dark night, I wanted the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I, said, I would say yes, I did feel that, but actually, overwhelmingly, what I felt was the challenge. The trip came just before Lent, 
And I couldn't get away from the feeling, and I would go as far as to say it was the Holy Spirit convicting me, challenging me, that I had to fast for 40 days. Not everything. Um, Alcohol, various foods, and dedicate myself to to more exercise and and live with more care and purpose, that this was all part of the whole self-care thing and, and, and faith. I cannot tell you how much I wanted comfort rather than challenge, because I hate fasting. I really do, and you only need to take one look at me to know that's true, but the Bible is very clear. Fasting is one of several basic spiritual disciplines. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to fast for 40 days. We may not fast like he did, I certainly didn't, but it's always good to at least try to follow Jesus. It's very easy to forget, you know, that the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's a clue in the name. We're being called into a deeper and deeper relationship with God. And that means some things at times will need to be laid down. We need to separate ourselves off from stuff, temporarily or permanently, set ourselves apart and grow in holiness. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. wants to do it here today. And on one level, we're not going to like that. Receiving God's challenge can sometimes be really uncomfortable simply because we've lived with that out-of-kilter way for so long. It's become the norm. But a new lease of life is on offer, new hope, new peace that we will only step into if we go through the challenge. And that's what I would say, looking back, that's what I would say I've experienced. Fresh sense of hope coming from that disintegration that I felt just three months ago. I, I feel very different from the person that wrote what I just read you. So much so that I'm able to share these things with you. There was also another helpful side effect. I lost some weight. Um, Here you talk about pounds, just pounds, don't you? Um, In England, we talk about stone. We measure, and it's 14 pounds makes one stone. I realized when I weighed myself on Easter Sunday that over the 40 days of Lent, I had lost exactly 14 pounds. So Jesus rolled the stone away, (laughs) ba-boom. Got a couple more, Lord, if you could help me with those. Um, The perfect counselor will comfort you. The perfect counselor will challenge you. How about this? The perfect counselor will complete you. Now, this sounds perhaps a bit odd. I should point out that I have an extreme allergic reaction when I hear preachers offering things in this life that we will not see this side of heaven. There's a future aspect to all that I'm saying. But having said that, there is more and more and more of God that is available to you and me to experience. More and more that the Holy Spirit wants to bring to our lives, even here today. And one of those things the Spirit wants to bring is shalom. Don't you love that word? It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? We think of it meaning peace. And it is that, but it's so much more besides. Shalom is the blessing of wholeness and completion. It speaks of oneness with God and oneness with one another, but also could it be oneness with yourself? You're like, what do you mean? Well, I actually believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring to each of us like a a deep core-centeredness and satisfaction and integration within ourselves. The inner voice of love is the secret journal of the priest and author Henri Nouwen. It was written during the most difficult period of his life when he lost his self-esteem, he lost his energy to live and work, his sense of being loved even by God. 
This is an entry entitled Cry Inward. He says, a split between divinity and humanity has taken place in you. With your divinely endowed center, you know God's will, God's way, God's love, but your humanity is cut off from that. Your many human needs for affection, attention, and consolation are living apart from your divine sacred space. Your call is to let those two parts of yourself come together again. You have to move gradually from crying outward, crying out for people who you think can fulfill your needs, to crying inward to the place where you can let yourself be held and carried by God. Peace, centeredness, shalom, wholeness, satisfaction. You get that in place, and of course that's a lifetime journey, then that impacts the relationships around you, and that's the second part of that. I do believe we must be very aware of the, of the problem, the tendency created by preachers like me of the hyper-individualization of the Christian faith, when the New Testament is clearly more about the we than the me. Having said all I've said about the Holy Spirit caring for me and listening to me and bringing peace and comfort to me and alongside me, we have to be so careful that we don't make this all about me. No human counselor is ever gonna fix everything that's wrong with me. But even the perfect counselor isn't going to make me perfect this side of heaven. And while I'm on the way there, I have to be constantly alive for the tendency to focus on my problems and get wrapped up in myself. Me trying to fix me can ironically lead me into deeper sin. Just look at St. Augustine's definition of sin, homo incavates est se, which I think says it all. <laughs> humanity, humanity curved in upon itself. Isn't that both beautiful and chilling? You imagine Gollum or something like that, sort of curved in. I'm not going to do the, no, no I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit actually wants us to do this instead. Open up, head up chin up, look at God, but also open our arms to one another and experience new ways of living. We're creatures born for relationship. We are social animals. We're made in the image of God who is relationship. You see the flow of the Trinity. You and I were made for community and belonging. That is why church is so important. It's the relationships. That's why it's fabulous that you're here today. No offense to anyone watching online. We've all been locked away in our homes for so long and we can get the sermons online and we can listen to the worship songs on Spotify, but the one thing you will not get without coming here physically, and I would say this is a phenomenal church and I've seen a lot. If you'll think, yeah, come on. You have to be here to get the connection for which you were born. And it's just as holy standing outside, eating Dunkin' Donuts and drinking coffee and chatting with one another as anything that happens in here. Any human counselor worth their salt will be concerned about the quality of your relationships. How much more does the perfect counselor feel that way about us? And the Holy Spirit's aim is to draw us more and more into community because that is where spiritual health abides. That's where shalom, wholeness, both internally and externally, 
the Holy Spirit wants to do. The perfect counselor will comfort you. The perfect counselor will challenge you. The perfect counselor will complete you. Fourthly and finally, the the perfect counselor will encourage you. He wants to put courage in your heart today for the road ahead. Give us strength to keep going. I called those journal entries I read earlier, so probably a bit highfalutin, uh, through the darkest valley. And that word through is so important, isn't it? We don't stay in the darkest valley. There's a sense of faith and hope that we're going to actually transition out of it. We do not stay in it. You have to keep going. And the Holy Spirit will give you the encouragement, the courage to keep stepping forward. I giggled when I found... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a half-finished sermon on my laptop, which I'd never had the guts to give um, or even talk about because it was shameful in so many ways. But I don't care because I'm just going to get on a plane. So (laughs) I might get in trouble. He might tell me off, but let me read this. Moving towards the fulfillment of God's promises of blessing and life may well mean enduring something that doesn't look anything like that. Let me explain it using a little noticed verse in the book of Numbers. In Numbers 33, we read how Moses recorded all the stages of the journey of the people of Israel, out of Egypt and into Canaan. And in Numbers 33:49, towards the end of that long journey towards the promise through wilderness and desert, 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 we... <laughs> it's that fasting again. We read that for the Israelites to get to Canaan, they have to walk through a place called Abel Shittim. Yeah, go on, giggle now, get it out. A journey that should have taken a couple of weeks at most ended up taking 40 years because of wrong choice after wrong choice. And then when they were so nearly there, they still have to go through Shittim. Who are we to think we are any different? To get what God wants for us, our promised land, we may have to go through similar. And here's the thing. When you are in that place, keep going. Allow the Spirit of God to fill you with the courage to keep making the choices for life. Don't sit down in despair. Whatever you do, however tempted you are, don't sit down in the shitting. Keep going. Don't stop. I know, it's very naughty. Don't tell me off. I, you say, look, I want to. I want to keep going. And I know I have to keep going. I don't have a choice here, but I don't know how. how. How do you access this strength from the Holy Spirit? The answer is, ask. The, the Holy Spirit wants to pour the love of God into your heart. Poured into our hearts. Take a few moments today. Find some space. If there's kids running around, hide in a closet somewhere. Just take some time. Just in the peace. I did it this morning, standing with my feet in the ocean at 7 a.m. And just go, you love me. Just make that love real to me right now. It's not very profound. There's no sort of special holy words that you learn at seminary. It is simply saying, you love me. Let me feel that love right now. Romans 5.5, 5, it's one of the most beautiful and profound of all scriptural promises. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's what the counsellor wants to bring to your life more and more every day. 
just pouring the love of God into your heart. As Gare said, we've just hiked into the Grand Canyon. It's a very special time. And I've wanted to do that my whole life, not hike with him, go into the Grand Canyon. And it reminded me of when I did um, geography when I was a teenager at school in England, and we studied partly the Grand Canyon. And the, the Colorado River, 1,500 miles long, how it carved the Grand Canyon over all that time. Just this extraordinary feature on the face of the earth, carved by this torrent of water. But now, today, through hydroelectric and irrigation, all the dams that have gone in the way, all that now flows out into the Gulf of California is a little muddy trickle. I'm sure it's more than that, but it's nothing like the mighty torrent that carved the canyon. And I remember thinking at the time, that's kind of what we do with the love of God. There's this mighty torrent of love coming towards us. And time and time again, we just think we know better and we just pop another dam in the way and do our own thing. And what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do even today is just break down some of those dams with our permission. That's how it works. You say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I just want your love. I don't want to feel a failure anymore. I don't want to discredit myself and discount myself for what my life looks like. I just need to know that you love me. That's all that matters. Brennan Manning, the writer of the Ragamuffin Gospel, said, get love in place in your life and the rest of your life, whilst it doesn't become easy, suddenly makes sense. Romans 8, that most fabulous of scriptural chapters, the t- the, Romans eight sixteen. the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's a connection. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Ah, oh, he loves me. The Holy Spirit is the dynamic, transforming power of God's love. It's the witness in my heart that God loves me. And I can keep going because of that. Deep inside, the most profound thing, knowing that you are a child of God. And here's the thing, and I'll end with this. The love of God is not an end in itself to you. It is that, and it's life-changing. But it's not an end in itself. I so love that, the scene in the movie, The Matrix. Heard of that? And um, in which the lead female character, Trinity, see where we're going, leans over the body of the male hero, Neo is one of cinema's great resurrection scenes. Neo is in one world, he's coming alive in another, he's coming back to life, a new and different life, in order to bring an extraordinary rescue. Ring any bells? And, and where, does, where does the change happen? Where does that new life come? It happens when Trinity kisses him and says, I love you. Now get up. I love that. To me, that so sums up God's love for us and his heart for our lives. I love you. Animation. Now get up. Activation. I love you. Identity. Security. Now get up. Purpose. Filled with the love of God, I love you. Now get up. Keep going. We experience the love of God for ourselves and then we give it away. Let me close with the scripture I quoted earlier, but this time in its entirety. 
2 Corinthians 1, reading from verse 3. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Isn't that beautiful? But it goes on. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.